Good evening, ladies and gentlemen. And if you don't know, you should know. This is Mudo, and this is Noah, and we are the two creators and conversationalists of Back Porch Comics. How's it going, Noah? It is going awesomely. Yeah, dude. It's <laughs> awesomely a word. <laughs> it is. I know it is for a fact, even though that fact has no basis in reality. Uh, we uh, just finished up WandaVision. Yeah, we did. Didn't we? <laughs> My chest still hurts. I'm so heartbroken. I know. It's so sad. It's so, 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 so sad. What did you think of the series as a whole? Oh, man, dude, it, it was pulled off so well. It was so well executed. And like I said earlier, <laughs> Martin Scorsese be damned. And that was art. That show was art. Yeah, but it's a lot more. It's a lot more like that because it, it has an episodic element. Yeah. You know? Yeah. The, they had time to, to do the fun stuff, you know? The thing that you always have to remember is whenever a creator makes you laugh it's so that way they can make you cry later and boy oh boy you <laughs> did know? that last episode oh my god that last episode hurt yeah it's really 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 solid stuff i know we're breaking ground here and have a probably unpopular opinion but we both loved it oh didn't we just and man her costume <laughs> <laughs> we can you can take the time and i'd appreciate if you didn't just perv on her all day man oh my god i'd be pretty <laughs> happy Olsen, with it. i love get out of here stop talking about it <laughs> i love her i know you do i know you do and she did so well she performed so amazingly yeah both of them did um I think that what you get is two very opposing but very relatable um, instances of grief. Yeah. And understanding and coming to terms with your own emotions and putting aside how you uh, wish the world could be because no matter what, it will never be that. Yeah. You know, and I think that's an important thing to think of whenever you're watching the show. Yeah, I am super excited to see where Phase 4 continues to go after this because there's so much tragedy that happened at the end of Phase 3 with Infinity War and Endgame, and especially Endgame. Everybody is all kinds of fucked up right now. <laughs> like, Yeah, and this was a great way of introducing that. Yeah, you know, I think you got a little bit of that with uh, um, Far From Home. Yeah, you, you know, you kind of did, but Far From Home kind of there weren't a whole lot of instances where you saw the trauma from everything. Like it was still played off very lightheartedly. Yeah. Which, I still feel is the best route that they should have taken with that movie. Yeah, like, and, and and once again, you make them laugh so you can cry. You show a lightheartedness there so that way you can hit a little bit more close to home with one division. 
Yeah. You know? Um, speaking of Spider-Man, we just got a confirmed title of, of the third Spider-Man movie, which will be Noah. Home run. <laughs> okay, let's try again. Noah. Oh, wait. No. See, come on. Get out of here. No way home. Yep. <laughs> I See, thought I you got were... confused because, like, I thought you were going for a bit there. I was ready to to, to play along. That's the thing is that that was a bit there the day before. Um, yeah, I saw them. They kept yeah. on releasing uh, <laughs> fake, fake titles. titles, and I thought you were going to go through all of them, but instead, <laughs> here I am looking like an asshole. Home so, run. Thank you for that. Home run. What was it? Home run. Uh, I, we don't need to think about it. It isn't important. <laughs> I'm going to think about it. <laughs> you can think about it. I'm not. I'm <laughs> over this this conversation with Spider-Man titles. It's called uh, No Way Home, uh, releasing in December. Uh, I, I feel like it's been pretty fast-tracked. Yeah. And I'm super excited about it. What about you? Oh, my God. All the rumors and all the confirmed castings. <laughs> it seems like a hodgepodge here. Like oh. it almost feels like we're getting a conclusion to three separate Spider-Man movies, and that's pretty incredible. Yeah, <laughs> if they can pull it off, it will be almost assuredly more uh, incredible than Endgame was. Yeah, you know. But the thing that really worries me about about this third spider-man movie is that they're gonna try and pull off the same thing that into the spider-verse did and i'm super nervous about that because they already pulled it off with into the spider-verse <laughs> like they did it very well in into the spider-verse and i don't know if they're gonna be able to do that again like i think they're gonna try way too hard if they do go that route I think they're going to try way too hard and not be able to capture the same energy that Spider-Verse did, you know? See, here's the deal. Here's the problem. The problem with the Marvel Cinematic Universe is in fact that they've done so well with everything that there is no room for a mistake here. Yeah, yeah, and that's something I keep on thinking about is that, in fact, there is nothing, like, they have to succeed in it. Yeah. And that makes me excited about everything. Like, I am almost through, I, I'm not almost, I'm completely through um, doubting them. Yeah. You know, I I had a few major reservations, especially with the last uh, couple movies that came out, Thor 3 was incredible and i didn't expect it um infinity war was better than it had any right to be yeah uh, black panther was incredible uh, uh, uh captain marvel was great uh and then being able to wrap it all up in endgame it, it's such an undertaking that i that and and they did it yeah they did it it was successful and that's something that I can't ignore. So that honestly makes me super, super, super excited now. Especially now with how they handled WandaVision. Mm -hmm. You know, it WandaVision, because it's their first foray into uh, television series, 
it makes me even more excited. Yeah. Because now I really feel like they just know what they're doing. Yeah, I am really, really excited to see what they do with Falcon and Winter Soldier, and I am really excited to see what goes on in Loki. Yeah, because, it's, yeah and, and we're closing up on, on Falcon and Winter Soldier. They're going to have a making of documentary for uh, WandaVision, and then the week after that is Winter Soldier and, and Falcon. Man, I'm so excited for the making of documentary. I want to see how they did all that. Oh, I'm super pumped. I'm super, super, super pumped. Um, speaking of pumped and speaking of upcoming things, uh, last time we talked, we had a conversation that was about uh, our favorite personal uh, comic book moments. And now I think is a good time to talk about things we'd like to see going forward. You know, um, I'm really excited. Um, we went about this uh, uh, in a couple of different ways. One, we could not pick something that we had picked before. Yep. Oh, <clears throat> you know, it'd be way too easy for me to just rant about Chew and Sandman all day. Um, and, and especially because of rule number two, it cannot be something that we know is going to happen or has happened. Yeah. You know, so in your case, like the Spider-Man No More storyline. Yeah, because they have, yeah, they already have, there is already an adaption of it. Right. Even though in the cinemas, it wasn't called Spider-Man No More. It, it's clearly Spider-Man 2. Yeah. You know, but much as the thing with me, um, I, I, I have no Planet Hulk on my list because in my opinion, that was Ragnarok. Yeah. You know? And, and then also, like, with specific moments, the If This Be My Destiny, you know, where Spider-Man is lifting all that heavy debris off of him, that was that already had a reference to it in Homecoming. Exactly. So this is going to be two very interesting lists. Um as far as I know, you picked more singular moments, and I think more adaptations because there are less moments that I want to see as there are of actual either limited series or graphic novels that I want adapted. Yeah. So without further ado, I think we should get to it. So I'll go first uh, with my list. We have a pick six is what we call them. Um, obviously a reference to the Sinister Six, or as I like to call them, the Sinister Picks. <laughs> and speaking of Spider-Man villains. <laughs> that <laughs> directly leads into the first. Oh, it sure does. And the uh, first thing from Spider-Man, <laughs> the first, not the first villain, obviously, but a villain that I really want to see brought in is Carnage, but not the Carnage that we are getting in the second Venom movie. Ooh. It's the Carnage, like the original Carnage. I want the original The Carnage, carnage. that was kind of like a, a little uh, residue offspring. Yeah. Of the Venom symbiote. Yep. I really want to see his introduction in the comics be adapted 
and I feel it would work really well as like a TV season. Uh huh. The problem with that is though, is that we would have to get like a Spider-Man series, which is never going to happen because Spider-Man movies are far too lucrative. Yeah. (laughs) And, 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 And did you hear what I heard that they extended the contract of uh uh what's his name current spider-man tom holland yeah um last i heard his contract is up after this movie but he is totally willing to come back in and continue doing movies like he'll continue doing i heard i've read rumors that that they did in fact extend it into another trilogy of movies Hmm. which would be interesting that would be interesting. Yeah, and I'm so happy right now because we both picked Spider-Man villains. Ooh. <laughs> For uh, hour number six. But I also really want to see, I'm going to be really pissed if Carnage does not throw a baby out the window. Oh, <laughs> and he's let there be Carnage. Yeah, that wouldn't be Carnage if he isn't willing to uh, defend straight babies. Nope. <laughs> um, I'll tell you this right now. I just said in this recording and I'm going to stand by it (laughs) that I have full trust in the Marvel Cinematic Universe. So much so. The villain you want to see adapted is Big Wheel? Yep. (laughs) Wait, really? Yep. Oh my god! (laughs) It's Big Wheel, baby. Yes! (laughs) (laughs) I have complete faith that not only could they revitalize Big Wheel, <laughs> but also make him a villain that is more important than he ever was. That's awesome. It's, it's, awesome. it's Big Wheel, baby, and he's coming to your town. Oh, my God. I just threw a shot in the dark. <laughs> it was Big Wheel the whole time. <sighs> Yeah, uh, of course. Like, how could it be? I would lose my shit, dude. <laughs> if I saw Big Wheel in a Spider-Man movie. <laughs> okay. Um, my number five is... Uh, this is where uh, uh, I, I'm going into a little bit. So, uh, this is an adaptation. A Marvel adaptation that I think would also be best suited for a limited series, um, a la WandaVision. Mm-hmm. And it is called Avengers Academy. Have you heard of this, Noah? I've heard of it, but I have not had the chance to read it yet. So Avengers Academy is a super, super, super amazing book. Um, it's one of the my favorite things that I've read. Uh, over the past year or so it is about a group of you know like teenage superheroes Mm -hmm. you know these are your young avengers this is your like grade school uh professor x school Mm -hmm. you know along with you know if you know the runaways a group of teenager teenage people teenage kids that uh, find out that their parents are part of the like Illuminati. So they run away yeah, and they like form their own like teenager Avengers type people. Yeah. Yeah. They, so the long and the short of it 
is that what you have here is teenage superhero Hunger Games. <laughs> yeah. Where all of them wake up on this island and are told by a villain that they must kill each other over the next few days uh, until there's only one left. And if that doesn't happen, then they will all die, you know. It is very akin to Battle Royale, which is one of my favorite international films from Japan. And Hunger Games, a very serviceable but also problematic uh, young adult novel series by Stephanie Meyer. Yeah. Yeah. I would love to see it. It has some truly amazing moments. Also has a few of my uh, favorite, uh, like, lesser known um marvel characters like there's this uh a uh, uh, teen girl in there that can do magic but she can only do magic by saying select words and in saying those select words she can only say those words once in order to do that power so like one time using her blood staff she tells people to freeze yeah right and it freezes them and then she does it again but the second time, a flock of geese appear. Because you can only use spells once. Hmm. It's incredible. It also has the uh, uh, protagonist from Sentinel in there. A <laughs> series about a teenage boy who reprograms a X-Men hunting Sentinel to do his homework and shit. <laughs> All right. <laughs> That's... <laughs> awesome <laughs> along with a bunch of other great great characters like there's a whole thing with like students from the professor x school of mutant children that like it's there's like two like underclassmen and then there are two uh, upperclassmen who are also their bullies that are also in this and then everyone just fucks around and gets fucked up because they have to fight and kill each other it's great <laughs> Big fan, Avengers Academy. If you haven't picked it up, you got to. Uh, Noah. My number five pick is where I thought <laughs> there for a second that WandaVision was going to go towards. Um, I mean, they pulled some stuff from this storyline, but I want to see it properly like adapted. House of M. Oh, wow. I reread House of M for the first time in like probably about a year. Yeah. The other week. And man, everything leading up to that from. For those that equated, what is the gist of House of M? So House of M is a storyline where at this point, Wanda Maximoff accidentally killed uh, Hawkeye and a couple of other Avengers by staging a bombing at Avengers headquarters while she is like having a mental breakdown from uh, killing Vision. He's another character that died in the bombing along with Hawkeye. <clears throat> um, and the 
loss of her children that turned out to just be creations of Mephisto and Doctor Strange. Of course. Um, I really thought that we were going to get Mephisto in WandaVision, but... I was, and I've been saying it from, from the moment he appeared on screen, I was sure Evan Peters was Mephisto. Yep. Yeah, I thought I've been saying that for so long, you know. Well, I guess a couple weeks because he hasn't been in the show the whole time. And like, man, with that, with the reveal in the last episode of who you know Pietro really actually was a fucking jabroni. Yeah, just like <laughs> just like a regular dude. He was just being controlled by Agatha. Like it still doesn't, <clears throat> you know, confirm that we're going to get a multiverse now in phase four of the MCU. No, but what I think is a little bit even more important is that it established that uh, Wanda had her powers before the Mind Stone. Yeah. Which means, surely, so did Pietro. Yeah. Which means that I believe mutants do exist in this universe. Yeah. We just haven't seen them yet. Yep. And... I'm very excited about that. Yeah, and I really thought that they were going to bring in something akin to, you know, no more mutants. I really thought that they were going to... Or let there be mutants. Yeah. Yeah. Or like something like that. Because obviously it wouldn't be worded like that. That's far, 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 far too obvious, you know? Yeah, they're better writers than us. (laughs) (laughs) If I heard that, dude... Yeah, I would get so mad. <laughs> yeah, um, but yeah, that's what I thought they were gonna go with, and they didn't. And you know, I'm okay with that. But we got really sidetracked. <laughs> yeah. So House of M uh, is Wanda dealing with all of this, and she ends up creating this sort of alternate reality where magneto won his quest for mutants to be the dominant species over uh regular humans and yeah homo superior is indeed superior yeah um wolverine is the first one to remember what the world was like before Oh, and, and in a great series of, like, moments, too. Yeah. Like, I love him, like, slowly figuring out what's happening. Yeah. Yeah. Knowing he's, that, like... He's written really well in House of M. Yeah. yeah. Like, knowing... Ugh, man. But then also, like, Wanda figuring out the sham herself. Yeah. You know, realizing that she did that, and... You know, now her and her family and all the mutants are going to be, like, dispersed because of it. Like, she must now do away with mutants again. Yeah. Yeah. House of M is really great. Yeah. House of M, it is a great series that shows that, you know, not only was all of the mistreatment that the mutants went through it shows why that was so important and why like it needed to happen like that for the mutants to be where they are now you know like yeah i'm sure that us like everyone obviously wants it to be better because that's what wanda gave them like she gave everyone what they wanted 
Yeah, everyone has like regular normal jobs. Everyone is like successful in their vocation. Yeah. And like, man. Maybe, maybe, maybe that's what they're building towards with the rumored inclusion of the X-Men. Yeah. Into the MCU. We'll see. Yeah. We won't know. At some point, they are going to introduce mutants. It's already been confirmed. It's just at what point are they going to do that? And at what point are they going to, you know, introduce the Fantastic Four? You know, how are they going to retcon them into the, you know, well, we'll be retconning. Well, depends. It does depend. It does depend. They retconned Ant-Man into the whole thing. They retconned Spider-Man into it too. They retconned Peter. I don't think they retconned Peter. Yeah, they did. Oh, the, uh, but the like kid, the kid in Iron Man too. Yeah, but like I don't think that really counts. That I think that was more fan service retcon instead of like retcon retcon like Ant Man. Yeah, Ant Man. They were like he was here the whole time, ladies and gentlemen. You know what I mean? Spider Man too. They're like some redditor saw that kid and was like, "What if that's Peter Parker?" And John Favreau was like, "Oh yeah, yeah, I guess I'm like huh. sure. Yep, whatever, guys. Just whatever gets you guys off my fucking back for a week. <laughs> sure, if that's what you guys want, then you know whatever. That's what it feels like to me. Uh, what is your number four? Uh, my number four is Punk Rock Jesus. Whoa, Punk Rock Jesus is the best, and I think that would do really well as a cartoon. Oh, an animated yep. thing. Yep, and the same art style as the comic. Because the art, like the comic has such a unique art style. First of all, Sean Murphy is like He's maybe the best. my favorite artist in comics, right? Now. Yeah. Sean Murphy's fucking amazing. Yeah. Why don't you uh, uh tell people what punk rock Jesus is like? Since <laughs> it's your show, since it's your bit. So and why don't at the same time you tell them who got you to read <laughs> PRJ? Uh, you <laughs> got me to read Punk Rock Jesus. Yeah. <clears throat> so I'm gonna pull up a summary of Punk Rock Jesus because I cannot explain it myself right now. But the summary is gonna be hell long. <laughs> Actually, it's not. Whoa! Is this on on Wikipedia? <laughs> yep. Go to it. <laughs> <clears throat> so in 2019, an entertainment company. <laughs> That's right, folks. Two years ago, <laughs> the far distant future of two years ago, <laughs> this comic came out in 2012 to 2013. What a fucking load. <laughs> oh, man. So in 2019, an entertainment company named OPHIS, Greek for Serpent or Ophis, uh, starts what's known as the J2 Project, a plan to resurrect Jesus Christ. <laughs> A clone of Jesus Christ is made with DNA from the Shroud of Turin. The young Jesus is raised on an island with his entire life dictated and televised and viewed by nearly the entire world. Faced with these stresses, the young Jesus ultimately becomes a rebellious punk rocker. Religious zealots either love or hate the show, and politicians begin to fret over potential influences on the nation. The scientific community fears the implications of the cloning itself. <laughs> that's all the summary gives me that's all it is <laughs> that's all the summary gives me that is okay <laughs> i feel like it's missing major it's missing a lot <laughs> it's missing a lot but i guess that is uh the overarching uh thing i tell you what right now 
if there is one thing that I hope people get from this episode, it's that they need to pick up punk rock Jesus. Yeah. It's like, it's almost like, I don't know how to put it into words. Yeah. Because I remember like, so I remember in college, I first read it, then I went to try to tell somebody about it. And I had just ended up talking about it for like four hours. Yeah. Like that's, it's very deep and it's very consequential and thick. Yeah. That's, that is one of the first comics that I read that was technically an underground comic that like, yeah, for sure. It wasn't associated it's not mainstream. With, yeah. No, not it's even not, it. it's not even, it it's could not be. from it's punk rock Jesus. Yeah. If you read it, you'd be like, there's no way that there's no way this would be tied with Marvel or DC. No. Like, <laughs> there's no way. dude. Yeah. It honestly like comes across as almost like a maybe AMC like series yeah if it wouldn't like a breaking bad type thing yeah if it wouldn't be adapted as like a cartoon with that art style it would absolutely be an amc type i would love it to be ah i would love a sean murphy animated series that'd be so cool wow he's the best (laughs) i love his character design yeah he's great uh big fan love everything that that man does and now I'm looking over it. I wish I would have put White Knight as my number six, but now it's not on there and I'm <laughs> continuing on. That's not even on my list, dude. Now that I'm thinking about it. And why isn't it on our list? Okay, so honorable <laughs> mention right now is White Knight and the sequel Curse of the White Knight. You gotta check it out, guys. Joker goes straight and takes down Batman. Anyways, my number four. <laughs> Skipping right along. Ignoring that whole goddamn rant. <laughs> so okay so check this out uh whenever i was in high school we got marvel ultimate alliance the video right it was great (laughs) everyone loved it everyone loved the game everyone played it right and including me including you (laughs) go figure um and the, the biggest thing that I took away from Ultimate Alliance, and this is before he got a movie deal. This was before uh, he started appearing in, in, in bullshit adaptions through Fox. <laughs> Everyone loved Deadpool in this game. No, man. I will say it over and over again. Deadpool's appearance in Ultimate Alliance is what made the character as popular as it is today. Yeah. And, and I mean that to the fullest. Yeah. It's what opened my eyes on Deadpool. It's what opened all my friends' eyes from Deadpool. Whenever I was in college and we'd be talking Deadpool, I'd be like, where do you hear Deadpool from? And I used to love playing as him in Ultimate Alliance because he was quick. He was funny. He was witty. He had a badass move set. He could teleport around and jump around and he had guns and katanas. Bam. He's the perfect video game character and character in general general for somebody who's like 15. Yeah. He's everything. Yeah. I remember. Yeah. It was around the time it was, it was a little bit after ultimate Alliance came out that a bunch of Deadpool merch started coming out. Yeah. Cause there was Deadpool merch everywhere before the movies ever came out. Oh, 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 Oh yeah. 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 Because people started buying up Deadpool comics at one point, even before the movies came out, Deadpool had, the most ongoing series by Marvel. 
man. He had like nine at one time. And I was at the forefront of all of them. I remember getting picking up Deadpool. I remember picking up uh, Headpool. I remember picking up Merc with a Mouth. I remember make, picking up um, um, Miss Deadpool, female Deadpool. I, I remember picking up Deadpool and Spider-Man, you know, before that became an ongoing series. Yeah. You know, that was just like a six-issue limited run. I remember Hitmonkey, you know? All of these characters, all of these series were coming out before the movie came out. And why? Because for some reason, there was a sudden surge in Deadpool in comic book communities. And I can't put a single other reason on it <laughs> than Ultimate Alliance. So why does this, uh, uh, feed, how does this feed into my selection here? So I go over to Comic Swap, right? And I'm browsing through the comic books, right? And I pick up one in particular, right? It is a Wolverine comic, <laughs> right? From like 2011, 2012, maybe, you know, full, you know, six issue collection. It's like volume five or six of this collection. And it's Deadpool versus Wolverine. <laughs> and I'll tell you this to this day, reading comic books and being a fan of the movies as I am, there has never been a better comic book Deadpool than the Deadpool that appears in, in these series of issues. Oh, man. He's funny. He's witty. He's intelligent. His his like breaking the fourth wall and his imagination is on point. At one point, he starts like cursing because Deadpool cuts off his index, middle, and ring finger, and he has to figure out how to fire guns with his pinkies. <laughs> it's great. <laughs> it's great. It's really amazing. On top of that, it really gives you a sense that Deadpool talks to distract his opponent because only whenever he starts to like monologue and like be funny is whenever he starts to get the upper hand on Wolverine, you know, and, and that's what this comic made me realize. And that's something that I think is, is surely missing from the movies. Yeah. Is Deadpool's banter is to disarm his opponent. Not just to be funny from the audience. And as much as I love those movies, and I do love those movies. Yeah, Ryan Reynolds is a great, great Wade Wilson. <laughs> well, because he's like literally bored for the role. Oh my God, yeah. You know, in, 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 in a comic book series that came out around this time, Deadpool describes, described himself as looking like Ryan Reynolds had sex with an avocado, which is also why in the movies he says, you know, his buddy says, you look like an avocado had sex with the older, more disgusting avocado. Yeah. Um, but I'm telling you right now, and I don't know the exact issue numbers, but I know that the volume itself is called Wolverine versus Deadpool. And it is the best Deadpool that has existed on the comic book page. It's great. And if, which we are, getting a uh, Deadpool movie in the MCU, mm -hmm. there's no better way than introducing Wolverine than in a fight with him. Yeah. Oh, 
Can you imagine? I know. I know. That's my hope. Is that that's how we get Wolverine? Is it a? Is it a? You know, <laughs> fucking all out drag out sword and claw and guns and explosion fucking hilarious brawl man i am so excited for deadpool 3 because i'm so excited to hear how he addresses <laughs> i re- i read somewhere that that um uh, that instead of stan lee they should just insert deadpool yeah as different cameos and i love that idea but i don't want <laughs> You know what I mean? I love that as an idea, but I don't think it'll, it would work. <laughs> it would take away a lot of seriousness. Yeah, well, not just that, but then it's just like it's a Deadpool show no matter what. Yeah. You know? Because that, uh, yo, <laughs> it's like playing Where's Waldo with Deadpool. Oh, it'd be great. I would <laughs> fucking love it. I would fucking love it. All right, my number three. This is a another adaptation. Uh, so this is a really, really, really cool series called Cow, right? The it, it's an anagram for uh, or whatever the word is. <laughs> we take a bunch of words and make another word with it, and like all the beginning letters. Um, it's it's Cow. It stands for the Chicago Organized Workers League. So around Chicago. Um, it's mandated that you can be a masked vigilante. The problem with this is that because there's so many vigilantes, people going out in masks and have powers, that they end up eradicating Chicago of their supervillains. Doesn't seem like a problem, does it? Until you realize that without the supervillains, their funding gets cut. Right? So now the like chief of the Chicago Organized Workers League, the head superhero, starts making up villains. Oh my god. <laughs> what do you think? That sounds fun. That sounds amazing, doesn't it? Oh my god. <laughs> Tell me, bro. Does he start like setting up villains that he knows can take down like the no no it just needs to be bad enough that like there's public like outcry over it you know it because like the thing about the superheroes in this world is that they're very like pr sensitive you know like they need the public support or else their funding's gonna get cut so it's all like child murders <laughs> That's an extreme example. I haven't read it uh, uh, recently, but like that's kind of the gist is like these villains have to be bad enough that the superheroes need to stand around, stay around, but they're not like super, super like Lex Luthor villains. If okay. that makes sense. Okay. Yeah, that does make sense. Yeah. <laughs> they're just child murders. <laughs> I don't, that's so everyone knows. I don't think that happens one time. <laughs> on the, on the tier of things that an evil villain can do. Yeah. right there at the bottom. <laughs> yeah, you know, it's, it's murdering a child and stealing 10 cakes. <laughs> <laughs> All of that before world domination. Yeah, you know. That's how they start. Yeah. You, um, 
there's because if once again i know i'm stuttering a lot because i'm excited about it Uh, for those of you that don't know um noah is much more of the marvel zombie um, of us two right he reads a lot of marvel comics i read a lot of more um independent comics and so i'm always like pushing you know pushing forward underground comics for him to check out i think this is one of them that you would really really enjoy particularly speaking of marvel zombies not another <laughs> series that i have in my list oh yes oh i guess i should change my number one then so <laughs> <laughs> that's really not on my list and i'm really actually surprised about that dude i remember i remember whenever i was a kid and i went into a hot topic i think i was like no oh, yeah marvel zombies was everywhere in hot topic yeah i think i was there like, were figures uh, yeah like before like Hugo pop became big there was like little figures of, of all the Marvel zombie ones. There were shirts with them. There was like little like bead bag uh, Captain America zombie. Yeah, I remember um, like before I had ever read the Marvel zombie series, before I really heard about it, I went into a hot topic <clears throat> when I was a real young kid and I saw a figure of uh, Spider-Man. Yeah. And like kid me was like that is the hearsay (laughs) whoa i was like how dare you (laughs) i love that like (laughs) i love that i was like what heretics made this (laughs) undead (laughs) little kid me was so (laughs) you're so angry i'm so mad you're you had the right to be angry (laughs) because i didn't know what the hell it was i was like what the fuck uh have you read marvel zombies yeah i'm not a fan yeah it's a little i'm not a fan i understand i read the first three and i get it i know that there are people that enjoy it and i'm not taking anything away from those who do um it just wasn't for me yeah yeah uh what about your number three uh my number three is marbles whoa as told through the mcu yeah oh my god okay so here's how you would do it right it would be uh, just like a character that we've never seen before, right? And he would be somebody, like a, a photojournalist who was there for the attack on New York and Avengers and who somehow, like, weasels his way through all of that. Yeah. Yeah. And is, like, somehow in uh, um, whatever it is, Sokovia uh, for Ultron and the Civil War, I love that thought. Yeah. I, I think that's great. Yeah. And like, it would, it would really. So once again, <clears throat> for those uninitiated, do you Marvel's, want me to talk about it? Do you want me to say it? Marvel's is a limited series told through the perspective of a journalist. Uh, it goes through a bunch of the major events that have happened in the Marvel comics. Um, but it's all told through the perspective of a regular on the ground journalist who like is just a regular dude. He doesn't have any superpowers at all. The only thing is that he just takes pictures and he captures moments from what he captures uh, Gwen Stacy dying. Yep. Um, And he talks about, you know, watching like seeing a man just so broken obviously talking about peter yeah 
and like you know seeing that he knows that he failed uh you see the first appearance of the sentinels yep uh coming after like mutants yep you see them introduce like the fantastic four you see the invasion of new york from the submariner yep like you just see all these great moments and like seeing the really significant moments from the mcu told through the perspective of a regular human like a regular person just on the ground witnessing these things i'll tell you what dude there are few things that i love more the 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 creator and artist behind it is a man named alex ross who um does like almost norman rockwell style paintings for his uh for his strips as such he doesn't do a lot so you know whatever he does do one that's just gonna be fire yeah it's right important. and this dude i i don't know what it is about him the his like style of storytelling or the art that like obviously it's a combination of the two but i don't know exactly what it is to put my finger on it but the way he adapts these like 60 70s era comic book characters into modern language is nothing short of astounding yeah i'm right now if you reach next to this chair that you're sitting on noah uh, you'll find justice and this is another series by alex ross where it's like the 70s versions of the justice league uh dealing with obviously the 70s version of uh, the legion of doom and i mean the way that he just like you, you like puts them into a modern art form is incredible yeah for everyone listening uh <laughs> every single panel is a piece of art yeah alex ross so for anybody who has not seen a piece of alex or for anybody who doesn't think that they have seen a piece of alex ross's artwork if you watch spider-man 2 sam raimi's spider-man 2 the entire opening credit sequence is a series of like paintings that alex ross did that depicted scenes from the first movie yeah for a sort of recap and if you're not sure just google the dude man i mean you'll be so uh, encapsulated by his artwork it, it it begs to be bought there was a solid like year and a half where the background of my phone is or was uh, a cover of a Amazing Spider-Man comic that Alex Ross did of Spider-Man like swinging through the city. Yeah, and, like I loved it so much. <laughs> I had that as my background on my phone for like a solid year. I love it. I love it. What about your number two? Uh, <laughs> now we're getting down to it, and I guarantee you don't have my two guarantee <laughs> i know uh mine's johnny the homicidal maniac whoa i really want to see that as a cartoon 
Whoa. And I want Joan and Vasquez to be ahead of it, obviously. <laughs> yeah. I so badly. <laughs> what would it? It would have to be like an HBO animated series. Oh my God. Yeah. Obviously. Oh, yeah. Yeah. They're. <laughs> Nickelodeon would never allow <laughs> Can you imagine? It would be sweet if it came on like Adult Swim. Yeah. I could see the Adult I, Swim doing it. I could see Adult Swim doing it yeah. a lot more than like, I mean, yeah, HBO, but I feel like Adult Swim would be a really good place for it as well. Because I mean, you have stuff on there like Metalocalypse. Yeah. And, like Mr. Pickles. And uh, stuff like that, like yeah, that was yeah, stuff and, that like uh, Adventure pretty... Bros. Yeah, yeah, like that was stuff that got really vulgar at times, and like it got really violent, especially with like Metalocalypse and Mr. Pickles. Yeah, of course. Um, <clears throat> so yeah, it could work on Adult Swim too. Yeah, but <laughs> I, I so badly. Yeah, John Lovett Maniac would be great. My God. Yeah. <laughs> if you thought Invader Zim was good. <laughs> then boy oh boy wait till you get a piece or of if you wanted invader zip but had more throats being ripped out of a body <laughs> this is just the thing for you this is for all the early 2000s emos oh my god dude and you know what <laughs> that's exactly what i am thank god that that cartoon didn't come out in the early 2000s john the homicidal maniac cartoon oh god it's bad enough that there's like a subculture of goth kids. Yeah. Basically worship, worship Johnny. Yeah, for I, sure. I remember one of my first times being on Reddit and like joining some like emo subreddit. I forget exactly what it was called, but I remember so many people were putting up posts about Johnny. Yeah, and like they had like pick like they had like memes made and stuff, and like oh my god, (laughs) like everyone has like a styrofoam Pillsbury Doughboy painted like those little fuckers. Oh my god! (laughs) Wow. Yeah, that would be amazing. (laughs) My uh uh uh, number two. So my number two, my number one, are um, illustrated by the same dude. His name is Gene Lin Yang. Right? He's an Asian American. And so the first thing that I would love to see uh, him do is let's go back in history a little bit. (laughs) 1930s are happening. And a man working in the radio has been noticing more and more postings in his local newspaper about the Klan uh, trying to recruit members in his area, right? Not knowing quite what to do, he starts a storyline on his radio show. He sends in an informant to these Klan meetings, and this informant, while raising through the ranks of the Klan, starts giving him detailed information that was kind of like secret for the clan, right? Secret code words, handshakes, you know, uh, phrases that they like saying, as well as meeting times, what they were going to do, how they, you know, their whole like structure of things, right? And so this man then took that information and implanted it into this ongoing storyline that he's been doing 
of the radio for the better part of like half a year. Eventually, because it's the most popular radio program, people start like finding the KKK like super incompetent and like really hilarious and like really embarrassing, in fact. So much so that the local chapters of the Ku Klux Klan in that area start dwindling like hella, right? Because this man is inserting the Klan secrets into a program where the Klan is attacking an Asian American family who happens to be friends with Superman. And just this last year, this story was adapted into a graphic novel called Superman Smashes the Clan. <laughs> That's what let that title. set in. Let that set in. There is a serious thought in modern America uh, by like clan historians that Superman, the fictional character, helped defeat the clan's rise in America because of this popular radio program. Hmm. And it is really, really, really stellar. Now, this is set at a time before, like, Superman has an opportunity to fly. In fact, the way that he travels around the city is by hopping on top of telephone wires and running through electricity. Right? And slowly throughout it, Superman becomes more and more attuned and sympathetic to this Asian American family because much like them, he is a stranger in a strange land. You know, he is a Kryptonian on Earth who has these magnificent abilities, but because he's not from Earth, still faces these doubts about himself. And through Superman helping this Asian American family believe in themselves, he begins to believe in himself. It's really great. I feel like that would be a really great story to adapt, especially like right now with everything going on. Yeah, that's why I thought about it. That's really cool. I never knew about that story. Yeah. Yeah. I'm definitely going to have to read that at some point. I'm definitely going to have to pick that up. Yeah, Superman Smashes the Clan is the title of it. And that's a completely real story about the radio. You can Google it about Superman's, you know, Google Superman Radio Clan. And I guarantee you that there might even be a full Wikipedia page for it. Oh, my God. You know? Uh, but yeah, people who were listening to this radio were like, what the fuck is going on here? You know, that kind of brings up... And then, and then, like, you know, wives whose husbands were going to clan meetings, they'd be like, okay, whatever, you fucking fruit. Like, <laughs> you know, <clears throat> that kind of makes me think about 
a point that I, that I saw brought up in a video that I was watching the other day um, about how comic companies don't really address the past all that much whenever it comes to the way that they treated uh, minorities in yeah. their comics in the early days. Oh my god, it is insufferable whenever Eddie, whenever there's like a civilian African-American character in these, in those like 70s comics, it is insufferable reading them. Yeah. You know, they are so stereotypical. Yeah. And like, I mean, it's kind of like, if you read them now, you have to read them with a grain of salt. I'm not excusing anything right um but you have to understand that in order for us to move forward we have to accept that this happened yeah you have to accept the time period that that product was made in and you have to understand like the history behind that yeah and that isn't saying that that makes it okay yeah what that's saying is acknowledge it and then improve it. Yeah. You but know? the thing is, with acknowledgement, you have to take that first step of knowing that... It was wrong in the first place. Yeah. And in order to know that you were wrong, you just don't get it in general. You know, you can't just ignore it. Yeah. You know, because yeah. then, you know, nobody else can make the decisions on their own, you know, of how they feel about it and, you know, what they need to do to improve that, you know? Yeah. To improve that thing, like, that state of mind. Yeah. It, it, you're absolutely right, man. Like, it's an impossible situation. Yeah. Right. Because no matter what, somebody while reading that is always going to be pissed off. And they should be pissed off. Yeah. That that was ever even a thing is fucked up. Yeah. You know? Yeah. There are a lot of. But we can't move forward either without coming to terms with that. Yeah. There are a lot of things that like I grew up with in. Like, I don't want to say, like, the way that I saw race, but I definitely gave more, like, credence into certain stereotypes of people Yeah. than I do now. But in order to be where I'm at now, I had to acknowledge that, you know, at one point I did, you know, feed into that a little bit. Yeah. You know, we're like, you know, I didn't take the time to really think about the way that I was feeding into what was affecting other people, you know? Yeah. It's something that I always, I always uh, kind of say to people um, because, you know, you go out to bars, everybody starts talking shit. Everybody starts saying stuff. Uh, you always run into these people that are like, race isn't a thing to be out even see skin color you know what i mean that isn't the point you know i want you to for those of you who don't know i am a mexican-american um i don't want you to not see me as a mexican-american i want you to see me as an american a mexican-american and respect my culture yeah you know i don't want my culture to be invisible i want you to see my culture and say, oh, well, that's some Mexican shit right there. You know, rock on. Good for them. 
Yeah, because your culture is part of who you are as a person. We are not the same people. Yeah. You know, you and I know are not from the same background. Yeah. I don't want you to ignore my background. I want you to respect my background. That's a difference. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. It's a great, great uh, uh, read. It's really, really fun. Uh, this, Yeah. Um, the other, my number one. Well, before we get into our number ones, do you want to take just a little bit of a break? Nope. <laughs> I'm going straight into it, baby. Fair enough. Hell yeah. Uh, this is also illustrated by Gene Lin Yang. Uh, he is the author and the artist of this. He did the whole damn thing. It's about combined, I think, just under 800 pages. And it's incredible. It is the epic of boxers and saints. Right? So this is kind of a historical uh, tome. It is based in fact and in history, of course, mixed in with some uh, mythological and superpowered uh, beings that feed into the history uh, that tells of the Boxer Rebellion, the legendary rebellion of Chinese farmers against uh, European conquest that would eventually be crushed in the Chinese capital of Peking, right? as well as at the same time as it's telling the story of the rebels and their like superpower abilities at the same time it's telling you about a poor farm girl who finds comfort and solace in the european teaching of jesus hmm. at the same time right starts off in the same village and it just like kind of goes apart from there as the one main character who is the boy who it's two separate books what is called boxers what's called saints the boxers follows the boy as he ends up leading this rebellion of farmers saints is about the girl who ends up understanding and coming to know christ right and how both of them are important to the modern nation of China. This sounds like one hell of a story. Like this sounds, whew. it's excellent. Um, uh, this one, I think this was the first graphic novel that I made my mom read. Ooh. Yeah, my mom, I make my mom read it every now and then. <laughs> I am pretty sure this was the first one that I made her read. Yeah, it's absolutely stellar. There's not a single uh, boring moment in it. Every single page is a page turner. And the thing about Yang's art is that it's so cartoony. It's so animated, right? But in that childlike animation, this is once again what I always say about you make them laugh so you can make them cry. You don't want to see people get decapitated. Yeah in this art in particular you don't want it but they they do you Not know bad. you don't want to see people get shot in their head but they do you don't want to see the boxers uh lock up a christian church filled with men women and children and light it on fire but you do and at the and even worse than that 
it almost makes you happy that they did it. Because the way that these European ideals and beliefs and systems are ruining their proud country. Man, that sounds heavy. It's heavy. It's heavy. It isn't a it isn't a light read. It is dark. It is difficult. And it is amazing. So what do you think that that would work as? Do you think that that would work like as a <clears throat> limited like series? I would like, like to see it as a duology as a movie. I think it could work that way. I do. Uh, given the obviously the correct director and uh, screenwriter of it. Um, I really do think that that it would work if, if not because it is long. It is yeah. big. Who do you think who do you who do you think would be the best director to take on that project? Um you would have to pick somebody who is well versed in like epics, right? Massive sprawling stories uh with multiple main characters and multiple main plot points. Um, and I wish that there was an Asian director. At, oh, it's my boy. It's got to be Bong Joon-ho, the uh, director of Parasite, most recent uh, winner of the Academy Award for Best Picture and Best Director. Also directed Okja, also directed The Host, Mother, and uh, Snowpiercer. Um, I think he's the dude. Yeah, yeah, I can, yeah. From the way that you describe what this, what on this top of on about. top of that, on top of that, not obviously also because of his, you know, um, Asian uh, 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 roots. The thing that I think would work most for him is he has this really, really, really weird ability of being funny at unfunny times. <laughs> he has like the strangest sense of humor where like nothing that's going on screen is funny, but you're laughing. Yeah. And that's kind of the tone that this would need. Okay. Yeah. All right. Yeah. I, I think that's the dude. I do. It's your number one. So my number one pick is I think perfect for if Tobey Maguire and Andrew Garfield are not in the next Spider-Man movie. Or not. Spider-Man life story. Oh. Okay, so here's the deal with that. It doesn't matter if they are in the next movie. You do life story. Yeah. You do life story. Yeah. And I think it would do I think it would be really cool if they did it with uh Tom Holland playing the young Peter. So 
what Spider-Man Life Story is, it is a limited series that And was... I'm gonna say this right now. It's my favorite Spider-Man limited series. Without a doubt. Ever. Without a doubt. Ever. Uh it goes through the decades of Spider-Man's life. It's a comic, it's a limited series that allows Peter to live his life in real time in real time so the first one happens in the 60s set issue two is the 70s issue three is the 80s 90s hundreds it goes all the way up to the 2010s where in what was it wasn't it 2020 that uh the series ends on where him and miles are going up into space i maybe it might be also like 2017 because I think it's, I think they said like a year or two after Miles uh, comes around. Yeah. yeah. It, whatever it is, it's, whatever it is. It's a year that is now in real time already passed. Yes. <laughs> um, but it goes through the decades. And I think that Tom Holland would be perfect to play, you know, the Peter from the 60s, 70s. Yeah. And then Andrew Garfield going through the middle of peter's life so you know the 80s the 90s the 2000s um and then it would be really cool to see Tobey Maguire play old man peter there towards like the end yeah um i am under the idea that we need a different actor as him every decade yeah Uh, yeah okay right ending with old man peter being played by keanu reeves Ooh. Ooh. I knew you'd like that. Oh, I can accept that. I can take that. I can take that. Oh, hell yeah. Yeah. Oh my god. Yeah. I also um, and it would it would it'd be great because you could almost do it in like a Quentin Tarantino style where you know it's part one, part two, yeah, part three. You know, we don't need to string them through as like an actual continuous story but if we got like an episodic you know 20 minutes in each decade yeah you know 25 20 maybe 27 minutes in each decade yeah and each decade that they put into the story Uh it takes the main important you know things from the decades and puts them like into their own little story so you know from the 60s uh the main thing that it focuses on is like i think is peter having an inner conflict with himself about going to vietnam and like whether it is okay for him to go to vietnam with the powers that he has right and on top of that if he should leave the neighborhood because you know captain america's already over in vietnam yeah Iron Man's already over in Vietnam. Like, there's so many superheroes over there, but here's Peter still stuck over in the United States. Including whatever, you know, and, and kind of like getting into it with his classmate, Flash. Yeah. Who that's, is going over. Yeah, that's like the big thing about the 70s yeah. is that Flash is leaving for Vietnam. And like, again, you know, should Peter go over there and fight Wait, the Which Vietnam? I'm not sure was it was like really a comic book storyline but a little bit more specific um is the 2000s word that where one has like it's Moreland. in the it's in the throes of the civil war yeah yeah 
the 90s is the one with Moreland. Yeah, because 90s was... Yeah, yeah, 90 was Morbius. Yeah. Uh, because, uh, because that takes place after the 80s clones. <laughs> Fuck that. <laughs> the clone saga. That is the only thing that has ever made the clone saga worthwhile. I'm saying it now. <laughs> That's the only. Oh my god! If you want to know anything about the clone saga, just read Life Story. And it brings it down to just one chapter, and it's perfect. <laughs> it's all you need to know. Oh my god! It's bullshit. Oh, and it's so good. Yeah. It makes you forget that the clone saga is bad. Yeah, it does. You know, it executes a very better like idea for what a clone for what the clone saga should have been yeah and then on top of that you go into the civil war which as i've said before in multiple uh, conversations with my friends is maybe my favorite uh marvel limited series ever is civil war i love civil war it's so civil great war, so good. because all i want in my life is watching the good guys fight each other <laughs> i love that shit i love whenever two good guys fight each other i love that shit in my life um and the way that they adapted into this like unique spider like he's an older spider-man yeah and he's an older iron man and, and as well you know and everybody's kind of trying to buy for spider-man's loyalty during this but even he's like i kind of have a family i need to take care of first you know it's really really something spectacular yeah it takes it takes a lot of the right directions that you know maybe the original stories didn't like fully go all the time you know it kind of it does a whole lot for spider-man as a whole through his whole history by you know, exploring his whole history and yeah. you know, doing things right. And it's, it's like a, uh, it's like nostalgia. Yeah. You know, it gives you a glimpse of what those decades were like for Spider-Man, as well as reminds you of the high points of those moments and of those stories without, um, without insulting you. Yeah. And it, like 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 a way that those many of those stories would do and oh my god it it gets heavy oh it's heavy especially that end i'm trying to i really want to pull it up on my phone right now i'll tell you what what are my what are my favorite uh quotes from that whole series and, and in comics in general, so much so that I've like considered getting it tattooed on me. Um, is that the end there? They're in the 2010s, they have to go into space, and it's Miles and Peter like in a spaceship. And Miles is is like talking to Peter about his friends, and Peter's like, you know, I've had friends, I've also had enemies, and, and Miles says something like aren't you afraid that your enemies are whatever come back for one last attack on you? And uh, Peter just says to Miles, all my enemies are dead. And that's so emotional to me for a comic book character to say that. Yeah. Because in many ways, the closest thing to a best friend that a superhero has is his arch enemy 
Yeah. And the very last issue of Spider-Man Life Story is I just pulled it up on my phone because I needed to find like specific lines. But one of my favorite things from the last issue of Life Story is when Peter and Miles go up in the space and then it's revealed that Miles is actually Otto oh, in yeah, Miles' body. It's it takes that element from Spectacular Spider-Man where Otto and Peter switched. Yeah. Um <clears throat> and whenever they like butt heads and they have that you know connection mentally and they're like fighting inside of each other's heads and like it just flashes back to the younger Peter and all the you know villains that he's faced through the years like Vulture and Rhino and Craven and all them all the young versions of them and their prime and shit they all go at it and, oh. and yeah like, and, and the like, entire time Peter's tugged the auto and he's like what are you doing man like this is a young dude. Don't bring him into our feud. Yep. Yeah, it's so good. And the end where... He's just, like, talking to Mary Jane. Yeah. Yeah, I don't even want to talk about it because it'll make me cry. It's... Oh, as he's, like... <laughs> yeah, it's great. It's just dying, great. He's facing his death, dude. Yeah, he's just great. It's awesome. The Life last use awesome. of you hit the jackpot. Oh my god. <laughs> no, don't say that. Oh my god, the way that Mark Bagley threw those panels. Yeah. Mark it's... Mark Bagley is easily one of my favorite Spider-Man artists next to John Romita. Yeah, he's definitely in the like top tier. He's so iconic because he did the yeah. he did almost he yeah he all he did the all I can talk he <laughs> almost did the entirety of the Ultimate Spider-Man run really? the original Ultimate Spider-Man run yeah um I think it was after I want to say it was like after issue one fifty is whenever he finally left he yeah. did it for a long time he is so good with emotions like drawing emotions yeah like, like literally drawing emotions <laughs> yeah mark bagley is such a great 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 comic artist and a great spider-man artist period yeah like one of the greatest him he's up there in leagues with like with who with who i said you know uh john Romita. he's up there with uh tom mcfarlane yeah todd mcfarlane and Nobody can really touch Steve Ditko because Steve Obviously. Ditko is who created him. Yeah. But man, such such a great story. Life story is. Yeah. It's so great. And those are sinister picks. <laughs> I'd be thrilled if any of those happened in any sort of way. Wouldn't you? Oh my god. I can just imagine Johnny the homicidal maniac. <laughs> uh before we go into our final segment, I just want to ask you real quick. Uh what are some comics that you're reading right now? Um, I am working my way through the current run of Amazing Spider-Man, the uh -huh. Nick Spencer run. Okay. Um, I know that you and I have talked about it before and that you're not, like, the biggest fan of it. No, I am not. Um, right now, they are going through a storyline called Last Remains. Yeah. Um, so, up to this point, there has been a villain kind of pulling strings in the background called Kindred. Yeah. And 
I am getting a lot of horror vibes off of him. Yeah. Um, I mean, he's like a character who is basically a walking zombie who has like a centipede, like constantly around him. He like constantly is invading Peter's dreams. Uh-huh. Um, well, a couple of months ago, it was revealed who really actually was Kindred. Let me guess. Um, okay, hold up. I'm thinking. Uh, Osborne. It is an Osborne. Oh, nice. Thank fucking Christ. <laughs> <laughs> it is specifically Harry Osborne. <laughs> Back from the dead. Ah, called it. Back from hell. God forbid it's anything else. God forbid it's not an Osborne when he comes to Spider-Man. But I'll tell you what. Um, this is good. The storyline leading up to this one, Last Remains, uh, is called sin's pass yeah where they bring back sin eater yeah and holy shit (laughs) it is oh my god sin eater fucks up so much shit um but this time like now that he's back he has the ability to actually cleanse people of their sins so what sin eater is actually doing is taking super villains powers away from them and like storing them inside of himself and he takes on their powers and the big goal that sin eater is trying to get to is norman osborne and taking away his green goblin powers and taking it into himself yeah all to give back to kindred yeah um kindred takes all of these absorbed powers from all these different supervillains that sin eater has cleansed and uses that to control the other spider characters so like miles morales is spider-man spider gwen's involved in this uh-huh. uh silk she's involved in this uh-huh. spider woman yep, 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 yep. um they all get like controlled by all these sins from all these supervillains and like go on a rampage and attack the city and peter has to fight them all to like try to get them to calm down and it comes to a head um where spider-man finally confronts kindred they are finally uh face to face with one another and kindred fucking snaps his neck and kills him whoa but then brings him back and reveals that he is harry osborne through a uh dream sequence that peter has whenever he is dead quote unquote um flashing back to a party scene that happened all the way back in like Oh, I want to say back in the 70s, uh, it was the party that they were throwing for Flash before he left for Vietnam. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> where, like, the start of this scene, the start of this issue, it's issue 50, either 53 or 54 of the new run right now, um, where, like, the start of this sequence is normal, where it's basically a one-for-one recreation of uh the original scene that happened all the way back in the 70s and it starts kind of going off the rails whenever harry starts whenever to get a little bit more Peter, sinister peter, peter parker starts pissing on everyone <laughs> yeah yeah, yeah he just i thought that was weird everyone <laughs> golden shower at the going away party yeah. for your soldier <laughs> weird that he would do that but harry starts kind of like talking really sinisterly towards peter and like he's starting to catch on to him. He's like, you know, what's going on? And then 
Harry brings him back from the dead and pulls off the mask and reveals that it's him and they are about to fight one another and Peter's about to just have everything dish back onto him. Like, everything that Peter has ever gone through from losing Gwen to, uh, you know, losing Uncle Ben, like, all of his mistakes and all of his regrets are coming back and haunting So him. how old is Peter Parker with this? Uh, I would... At this point, like 30, it's like 40s. Yeah, like probably in his 30s. Really? Um, at this point, you know, he's gone through it's not going too far back. Um, he is living out in an apartment on his own. He's not, he doesn't own his own company anymore. He lost that after Norman or after uh, Otto Octavius took over his mind. Is, does this take place in 616 or another? No, this is 616. Okay. So this is like main continuity. Gotcha, so, gotcha. Um, but yeah, he doesn't have his company anymore. He lost that after Otto took over his brain. Obviously. Um, yeah. He isn't a teacher. I didn't, no, he's not a teacher. Um, no, because that was also Otto. No, there was a period in the 90s uh, where he was a college professor. Okay. Uh, yeah. He doesn't have any of that right now. He's was still... there because yeah, because uh, because I remember one of the big things about Spectacular Spider-Man was that um, Otto got him his college degree. No, uh, Superior oh. Spider-Man. Gotcha. gotcha. Um, <clears throat> gotcha. but gotcha. no, that was uh, him starting up Parker Industries. Her. Okay. 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 Yeah, in the. Gotcha. Uh, in the Straczynski run, yeah. he was a college professor. Okay, okay. And Mary Jane was like a movie star at that point. Okay. And that's whenever Moreland really, that's whenever Moreland was introduced, uh -huh. and uh, Ezekiel, and the whole, you know, spider clan shit. I still don't know how I feel about you love supernatural Spider-Man. You love it. Where that's he's what, like, that's what you think about it. You love it. I like, I really like uh, Moreland being this, you know, like, soul vampire who specifically who specifically oh yeah sweet like, spider idols yeah but like yeah that shit's sweet spider-man like peter being like chosen by some sort of like destiny to you know have these powers instead of him just being you know like a random guy that this does take away from it a little bit yeah yeah so like yeah. i have some issues with like with his run even though like it's easily one of the best runs of any spider-man writer yeah like but like next to stanley like yeah. i i love yeah i mean run. it's hard to i mean you can only go up from the clone saga <laughs> yes <laughs> <laughs> yeah yeah it's really oh my god yeah i still think that the issue of that run uh that they did for 9-11 i still kind of I still feel like that was... It feels a little dirty. Yeah. Feels a little dirty. I mean, I get it why they did a 9-11 issue of Spider-Man. Because, like... yeah, here's the New York... Yeah. Yeah, superhero. I mean, Marvel is in general, but, like, especially Spider-Man. Yeah. So, like, I get it, but, like... Yeah. Makes more know. sense for them to do it than DC. Yeah. Yeah. I mean... Yeah. You know DC I mean? could... because like because like that's the, that's the difference is like what the difference is obviously besides the companies 
yeah. is that like DC takes place in like a wholly fictional version of the world. Yeah. You know, Metropolis. And, I mean, they uh, could like, they could like do their own Green version. City or whatever Arrow lives in. Gotham like, or, yeah. Yeah. Uh, Marvel has always been New York, New York, New York. Yeah. It's always know? been in like our actual world. Yeah. Um, I mean, you know, DC could do their own version of it, but like it felt even more dirty. Yeah. People would get probably really pissed off at that. Gotham it Towers. would just uh, if they were gonna do it, they would definitely do it with Batman. Absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Yeah. But um So that's what you're reading right now? Yeah, I'm reading through that, and I'm also reading through the uh most recent run of Darth Vader. Nice. Uh, it is pretty good. Oh my god, it's, it's so awesome! Good. It takes place uh, in between Empire and Jedi. Yeah. Um, after Luke manages to escape from Darth Vader at the end of Dude, Empire, Darth Vader should have just jumped down that shoot after him. <laughs> Especially after all the shit that he's been enduring. <laughs> like the Emperor, I always remember the. Uh, the robot chicken sketch where like Palpatine's talking to Vader (laughs) (laughs) and he's like insulting him. He's like, you must smell like feet wrapped in leathery burnt bacon. Oh. (laughs) What the hell's an aluminum falcon? God. (laughs) Man, those early episodes of Robot Chicken Dude were so good. Yeah, that was awesome. All right. All right. I think that that about wraps up our main discussion. But earlier this week, I told you that I would like us to ask each other one question at the end of every episode. (laughs) Would you like to ask your question first or answer my question first? I'll answer your question first because I'm really excited to hear what your question is for me. (laughs) Yeah. Okay. Noah, who do you think would be a better president? I already don't like where this is going. (laughs) Lex Luthor or Norman Osborn? In both their fictional universes, uh, they have both won the presidency before. <laughs> Who would be a better president in real life? Uh, Who would be a be- better president? Who would you vote for? Who would you cast your vote for? Well, uh, Norman Osborn is basically what we had for Trump, and we all know how that went. <laughs> Great! <laughs> Uh, that was a success and a half yeah. <laughs> of a presidency. <laughs> um, so <laughs> I might have to go with Lex because <laughs> I feel like he would be a lot smarter. <laughs> Lex, I feel like Lex is definitely the more Joe Biden of the two. Yeah, yeah. Younger, but God damn, if he isn't probably as senile. <laughs> he is a lot, he is a lot smarter though than I feel like Norman Osborne. Norman Osborne is kind of <laughs> he's 
fucking idiot. whacked out. Yeah. Oh boy's he's wacky. just he's just crazy. As, oh boy's wacky tobacky. Yeah, he's just nuts. But Lex Luthor has it a little bit more under control. Yeah, <laughs> he's just he's more he's more sociopath of it than anything. Yeah, he's just a lot more egotistic. Well, I also feel like he has like more like strategy behind him. Yeah, like Lex Luthor is always outwitting the Justice League. Oh my god! You know, Norman Osborn has trouble keeping up. Yeah, most of the time with Spider Man. Yeah, you know. So that's my question. Yeah, I would absolutely cast my vote for Lex Luthor. Or if we had a third option, I would. We don't. But if you could pick a president from comics, uh, no one. I would just die. <laughs> <laughs> I would just end it right there. He's like, like I'll you know take what? the version of uh, uh, Richard Nixon from Watchmen. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So <clears throat> I don't have any options for you because I know that you know a lot of comic characters and I want you to really dig into which comic characters would probably be best for this. What is... Or who do you think would be the most fun to sit back and get drunk with? What comic character do you think? Sit back and get drunk with. Okay. So would I be, we'd be getting, like, I would be the only one getting drunk, right? Like they'd be getting drunk too, right? Yeah. Oh, without doubt, Dr. Strange. Do you think that he would start like casting spells? Yes, <laughs> that's the reason. Okay, so if, and if he won't, if he won't, he would be able to provide the ultimate bar crawl. <laughs> you know, go in, go into to some place in New York City, have a drink, walk outside, go to Boston, have a drink go outside, go to Paris, have a drink, come outside, go to Bangkok, have a drink, come outside, go to like LA, have a drink, come outside, go to Honolulu, have a drink, come outside, London, drink, outside, uh, Cairo, drink, outside, <laughs> Johannesburg, drink, outside. It would definitely be the quickest game of around the world of that. Yeah, dude. <laughs> All a night. Yes, dude. <laughs> Oh, definitely one billion percent. But that's that's given if he can just chill the fuck out and just be laid back for a little bit instead of being so serious. No, oh, I would make him. <laughs> oh, would you? Yeah, it would be like one of those things where, like, at the beginning of the night, he'd be like a little standoffish, you know, and like not super into it, kind of like acting like the parent friend, like yeah, yeah, right, 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 right. Um, and then I would like win some money on a lottery machine, and then I would like uh make him a little bit happy. <laughs> like money matters to him, yeah. He's the sorcerer supreme. And then, um, like they'd have shuffleboard, and I feel like <laughs> we play some shuffleboard, you know what I mean. <laughs> my god it would have to be if it isn't dark age it would have to be like 
somebody who has the ability to just like teleport you to different bars in the world or somebody who can just like show up really cool to a bar like you know like their entrance could be really cool or like their vehicle could be really cool yeah so, like, dude that's what the whole fucking slig thing is with dr strange <laughs> he has that down pat he has a cape that flies <laughs> that as a bar trick dude or you can show up to a bar in a big wheel <laughs> or in a big wheel and this entire episode cycles back to yeah that's what wheel. you call a, a full circle right there but it's like a big wheel that's what i call a big this episode wheel. has been one big wheel <laughs> i'm telling you dude i want a big wheel movie <laughs> I want him to be the villain so bad. Even if he's just like, even even if it's like a matter that like at the very beginning of the next Spider-Man movie, Tom Holland like looks over to Ned and is like, hey, that big wheel guy was a problem, huh? Like, even if that happens, I'm happy. Like, you know, that was originally basically what was going to happen with Mysterio. Yeah. And uh, the original plans for Spider for Sam Raimi's Spider-Man oh, 4. Oh, Spider-Man 4 was that he was going to be bringing in uh, Bruce Campbell. Yep. And Bruce Campbell, <laughs> who had bit parts and all the other ones, was going to... That would have been so dope. My God. I don't know how I feel about the plot outline for the rest of that movie, but like at least that, I really That would have been dope. <laughs> like, yeah. At least Sam Raimi knows that he couldn't do Mysterio. <laughs> you know, he could hardly do Venom. Yeah. I mean, Arguably, he couldn't. I mean, I feel like he would have had a better chance with doing Mysterio because Mysterio is from the same like time period of villains that Sam Raimi adapted. Um, because Sam Raimi's movies were very much more so nostalgic on the original like late comics. 60s, early yeah. 70s. Yeah. And that's because those are really the only comics that Sam Raimi had read after yeah. like I think he stopped reading the comics right around the 80s because yeah. that's around the time that he started like, you know. And I'll tell you what, man. I, for all its problems, all the Sandman stuff in Spider-Man 3 is great. Yeah. 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 And it's because he more so understood the character of Sandman. Yeah. Whereas Whereas Venom, Venom was without a doubt a cash grab by Sony. Yeah. He was very much shoehorned in. He wasn't in the original script. No, 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 no. And like Sam Raimi did not want to do Venom at all, which is no. why we didn't get a good version of Venom because Sam Raimi didn't know anything was, about Venom. Was affiliated. Yeah, and like, you know, it's just the classic. Instead, <laughs> we get awkward hip pointing <laughs> Toby McGuire. He's just like walk <laughs> finger guns. The best thing in the world is he's just walking around New York, just being like, "Hey, <laughs> hey, hey, hey!" All these girls are walking by, like, "What the fuck is that supposed to be?" Emo Peter. One of my favorite pages on Facebook is every Sam Raimi Spider-Man <laughs> trilogy frame in order. Oh, that makes sense. We you just got done that. with Spider-Man 2, dude. We're about to start Spider-Man 3, and everyone is so excited for Emo Peter. Yeah. <laughs> That's great. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, this has been Backport Comics. And I hope that you really enjoyed it. If you don't know, you should know. That has been Noah. Say goodbye, Noah. <laughs> Latest. <laughs> yeah, and I've been Moondo. 
Uh, if you have anything at all that you want to say to us, especially ask us a question. I like answering questions. Questions are the that was the best part about school is just like answering questions. Uh, I mean, for you. Yeah. <laughs> I got horrible anxiety. I never wanted the teacher to call on me. Yeah. 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 You're also, well, your brain works so fast. Yeah. <laughs> that you could never, you would actually be thinking about the next question. <laughs> I would be thinking about the whole next lesson. You know? Yeah. Uh, this has been Mundo. Uh, get a, get a hold of us at uh, popcultureforest at gmail.com. And we'll see you guys next time. Next time I'll be back is a uh, film harvest. Yeah, and we're we have a boy. Do we have a surprise there? <laughs> Later, ladies and gentlemen.